You know, I cannot believe that you would put a pothole before your daughter. Peg, we can always have another daughter. <laughs> but as we both know, this guy's going to be mayor. And if Kelly gets in good with him, who knows? Maybe someday I'll be the future mayor-in-law. <laughs> Think about it. Anything I want. Huh, Peg? And free donuts, free parking, just like the police. <laughs> well, we can speed and make you turns And litter. And park in the handicap zone. <laughs> Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a whooping? No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. I understand you come here looking for the Married with Children podcast, but where were you when I was doing the skeleton crew? You didn't want to talk about horror, but now you come here looking for witty banter, trivia, personal stories relating to the show. Why? Why now? One day, I will ask you to join Patreon. It might not be now, but we both know it probably will be. <laughs> but one day you will be called upon to support the show you love so much. And I'm here with Jamie. Life is good, but not for me. <laughs> I hear you. And I'm Dan. Your paper will be on the porch in the morning. Hey, you can't be Godfather. I'm Godfather. Oh, all right. <laughs> I knew it was you, Dan. <laughs> right now we're talking about Godfather. Al entertains notions of greatness. Al, do you know The Godfather is an actual movie? Yes, it's based on that movie, yes. Oh, is it really? <laughs> <laughs> when he discovers Kelly's new boyfriend is an influential politician. <laughs> Okay. Wow. That was a lot. All right, guys. So tune in next week when we record Look Who's Barking Now. I'm already exhausted just from imitating uh, John Gazi, whatever his name that is. Took a, that took a lot out of me. Yeah. I know. Who? <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> Nobody. It's weird. It's called godfather on the disc but it's called the godfather on imdb and it's called godfather and the sony releases in the description so uh it is what it is season five episode 13 original air date february 3rd 1991 director jerry cohen writer ralph farquhar if i had to put my money it'd be on imdb being wrong Exactly. That's where I was going with that. Yeah, I would assume that they, in order to reduce confusion, they probably did actually just name the, the episode Godfather. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, special guest stars Lane Davis as Harry Ashland, Scott Ferguson as Paperboy, and Angel Broadhurst as Saltwater. 
<laughs> salt water. That guy's classic. I can't wait to get to him. Oh, and technically, special guest star Ted McGinley is Jefferson Darcy. If anyone has noticed, he is. Uh, he does not appear in the opening credits. He's still uh, labeled special guest star at the end of the uh, episode and the end credits. Maybe they were trying to see if it was going to stick. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Like, well, let's give it a run. We got just a couple more episodes. This, I mean, I think this is pretty much halfway through the season. So they were like, "Why don't you do the second half, season five? We'll see how that goes." And yeah, we'll probably definitely put you in permanently, season six. And they just agreed to it, you know. So that's how it is, unless we get proven wrong. And further down the line, he just ends up in the opening credits. But I doubt it. Okay. Well, the title of this episode, along with certain parts are obviously direct reference <laughs> are obviously direct references to the 1972 film The Godfather. I'm sure you guys knew that. Thanks, um, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> like for instance when Al comes downstairs dressed in a suit and he speaks like Don Corleone. Now I think that was the same outfit he was wearing in the Chicago Foot Contest. Yes, Agony of Defeat, season four. Yep. Yeah. And we pointed that out. Most people didn't even realize that. He always looks good in that. Yeah, baby. You know, he looks he looks very nice. Anyway, uh, the Godfather theme is played, which is one of my all-time favorite film scores. So when he comes down to meet uh, Marcy and Jefferson, and then, um, of course, uh, Bud compares Kelly to being Fredo. Not Frodo, he doesn't accuse her of having hairy feet. Oh, okay, that's where I was confused. All right, good. Um, and I and I love how Al's Don Corleone is similar to his James Bond walk. It's like exactly the same. Yeah, I oh man, when we get to that scene, it is interesting. Well, all right, mom. I guess we've talked about everyone we care about. So there's no one left to talk about. Al. <laughs> Oh, oh, Al. <laughs> well, he's mad because there's a street light out and there's a pothole right in front of the driveway. <laughs> yeah, so naturally I have to be alert for when he comes home. Well, when he beeps his horn, I'm supposed to run out there and shine this flashlight so that he doesn't hit the pothole. <laughs> no, I don't mind doing those little things for him. <laughs> You know, I mean, he is my husband. <laughs> well, Mom, I better be going. I'll be home any minute. Okay, bye. He hits the pothole so hard that the steering wheel <laughs> shakes loose from his car, and he brings it in so uh, Peg could cook it up for dinner. <laughs> and it's like, how fast were you possibly going into your own driveway? Well, especially after he'd been parked honking his horn, waiting for her to come out, presumably, like, right in front of the pothole. Right. <laughs> like, how do you not know already, like, what to not... Like, how many times do you have to be shown with a flashlight? <laughs> so Al wants the street light fixed. He wants to turn back on. Remember, Al's had another battle with the streetlight. Remember the one that was when uh, it was shining right in his eyes in the bedroom? Then they moved it, and then by that time, he was sleeping downstairs on the couch, and it was now in his eyes down there. <laughs> <laughs> and I composed this little letter to the city. See, the key to dealing with the city is that 
You have to subtly influence their way of thought by using the most diplomatic language. Dear maggots and foul bureaucrats, <laughs> I pay taxes. They'll never check. I wish I could not pay taxes, but they come out of my paycheck automatically, so that's... I don't know how he arranged it so the taxes don't get taken out um, at that point, but... You grafting pigs use my money to wine and dine cheap bimbos, never once thinking to share them with the rest of us. So please fix the hole in my driveway and the streetlight above it, and for the thousandth time, please annul my marriage. Sign a voter. They'll never check. Mom, Dad, I am in love. <laughs> he is the greatest guy that I have ever met. All oh, right. That's why you're home at nine o'clock. Well, he likes to get me home because he's a gentleman and he cares about me because I am a nice girl. <laughs> Kelly, it's not that we don't believe you. It's just that we don't believe in love. That's why our marriage works. Now, Jamie, is that your philosophy in your marriage? <laughs> that you guys don't believe in love? Is that how this works? Or No. No, it's the exact opposite. But see, I also feed him and clean the house. So. Yeah. <laughs> That'll help. <laughs> what choice does he have? Yeah. I believe in love, too, but I honestly think marriage works if you could just tolerate the other person's um, personality and if you get uh, plenty of free time and sex. I think that's all it really takes. Just leave me alone most of the day. Let's <laughs> have sex frequently, and uh, that's that's about it. Just uh, food. I'll feed you. You feed me. That's all. <laughs> Alex Edwards, ladies and gentlemen. That's all it takes to be happily married, I'm telling you. <laughs> Doesn't take much. Go ahead, tell us all about him. Well, there isn't really much to tell. <laughs> Once again, my dear sister is prone to understatement. But if you want this reporter's opinion, I shall now open the bidding at uh, $10. <laughs> Shut up, bud. He's not that old. <laughs> Al and Peg don't seem interested until age comes up and then they both toss him a five spot okay spill your guts he's 41 <laughs> you are dating a man old enough to be my father <laughs> Peg she's not dating Lincoln <laughs> Kelly I believe is still 18 unless we didn't keep up so he's roughly 23 years older than Kelly and Al is 45 years old well judging by the timeline and how much they skip around through season I think Kelly should be about 23 right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah right aren't we like five years after this after that uh, make a baby episode <laughs> it seems like it yeah Okay, it turns out he is 41 years old. This guy, his name is Lane Davis. He was born in 1950, and this is 91. So he's known for Santa Barbara, 
Lois and Clark, General Hospital, and Russians in a City of Angels. Huh. Santa Barbara was a soap opera that, compared to other soap operas, was not all that long-lived. I mean, it was on for a while, but it's not like Days of Our Lives. Oh, he was on Days of Our Lives, though. Where it's been kicking for like 150 years. Yeah. But you know who else was on Santa Barbara? Mm. Robin Wright. Oh, really? Yeah, she was. She played a twin sister on Santa Barbara, and she, they didn't look that much alike. I mean, they were both. They both had long blonde hair, but oh. <laughs> she. Um, <laughs> but she was a twin, and that was the first time I ever saw her in anything, like even before the Princess Bride. Oh wow! Wow, nice. Yeah, this guy was uh, on Seinfeld as well, just like uh, one of the guests on the next episode we will be reviewing next week. Yeah, yes. Television is so incestuous. Isn't it, though? Uh, this guy was on Coach, The Nanny. Some people might remember him from there. Coach is a TV show no one ever talks about anymore, and I used to love that show. No, they don't. Never do. Probably for good reason. <clears throat> he was on The Love Boat, The Next Wave, but that went under. No pun intended. Ah, but it's... <laughs> Third Rock from the Sun. And uh, he is still a working actor to this day. He is in uh, a TXT. It's like text without the E in there. And it's in post-production for 2018. So he's still working. Now, Pumpkin, sit over here next to Daddy. Honey, just... How much have you loved this man? <laughs> Al wants to know if Kelly loved him physically or not. Well, it is Kelly we're talking about. Yeah, so what do you guys, what would you say? Uh, do you think she slept with this man or not? It still early in the relationship, I think. There's no doubt in my mind Kelly did her thing already. Yeah? Well, I think that's kind of like her greeting, isn't it? <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right? <laughs> now, can you get off of me? <laughs> she's in love yeah <laughs> wow so yeah kelly slept with a guy who's 23 years older than her wow well that gives me hope because i'm not uh i'm not even 40 yet now don't get the wrong idea he's not like you he's a young 41 i mean he can still get out of a chair without going <laughs> he's really sweet you know what he calls me his little squeeze toy. <laughs> <laughs> she said that like they might be excited to hear about that. <laughs> like, that's what you want your daughter to be known as, right? A squeeze toy? A little squeeze toy, like a dog toy. But it's better than what Kelly has to call this guy, and we'll get into that. Right. <laughs> Gee, I'd love to meet him. <laughs> Nice to him, won't you, Daddy? Uh, don't worry, Pumpkin. I'll show him the same kind of respect that any father would show a 41-year-old man who dates his teenage daughter. <laughs> Daddy, you're the best. <laughs> now, look, I've been on hold for three hours. Listen to the Muzak version of Muskrat Love. Yeah, Muskrat Love is a song by Captain and Tennille, and it's funny because Captain and Tennille will be mentioned again in season eight, a tisket a tasket. Can Peg make a basket? Oh, tisket tasket basket. What do you and, know? And Al would sing another of their songs in season five's Do You Think I'm Sexy? Do it to Ooh. me one more time and I swear I'm dead again. 
Yep. Yes, he did. And Steve sang Do You Think I'm Sexy earlier on in, in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> now, I voted for Mayor McCheese or whatever his name is. <laughs> Love that line. They had, like, a ton of characters for, like, McDonald's and all those advertisements mm-hmm. for, for McDonald Land. And that started in the early 70s. Dan, do you remember how we got into Grimace and Skeleton Crew? Oh, did we? And and what exactly? What was he? <laughs> like, I, was, I couldn't figure out what Grimace was. I still don't know. And they said he was a purple blob. And he, <laughs> he used to have like four arms or something like that. And that would make it easier for him to steal hamburgers. I do remember this conversation. Oh, my God. It's coming back to me. Yeah. And then they eventually dropped it to two arms like everyone else has. And then um, he was evil. And then they had decided to change his character and make him a simpleton. Mm-hmm. <laughs> remember? <laughs> I don't know. What the point of if you look at the other characters, you know, obviously you've got Ronald McDonald, who's a clown. But if you look at Mayor McCheese and the Hamburglar and that birdie girl. Yeah. I mean, they kind of all make like, okay, Mayor McCheese has a cheeseburger for a head. (laughs) And the Hamburglar, it's kind of in his name. But Grimace it doesn't make any sense by his name or his look. What the hell does a purple blob have to do with fast food? Right. Except that maybe it'll turn you into a purple blob. <laughs> yeah, the Grimace is uh, like, like a PSA in a way. Like this is what you'll be if you keep eating our McDoubles. Yeah, he's purple from the you know heart failure that he's going into. And he's 350 pounds, so that'll you know keep eating here. Although I did just see that the guy who has the record for eating the most Big Macs, he just ate his, I want to say, 50,000th Big Mac. And his last one because he's dead now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's quite an accomplishment. But I bet he hasn't done 94 Marrow Children podcasts. Oh, Come in on. your face, in your face. Yep, he didn't get to this level. We should be more famous. So, uh, yeah, they eventually uh, dropped the majority of those characters from McDonald Land in 2003. Like, you don't even hear anything about that anymore. It's not a viable market marketing tool anymore to have characters for your... Oh, uh, that's sad. They were fun. Yeah, yeah. There was nothing fun about McDonald's food. <laughs> Still isn't. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it... Uh, do you think it's like a uh, Joe Camel kind of thing where... You know, they shouldn't be encouraging children to eat fast food or whatever. I think PETA made them get rid of Joe Camel because it was, uh... Because it was a camel? Yeah, and it was bad for his health to smoke cigarettes. (laughs) Oh, honey, that's Robbie Kelly with her new boyfriend. Come on, take care of him fast like you do me. (laughs) Mom, Dad, this is Harry. Kill him, honey. I didn't know Kelly had a sister. Oh, wait a second. Tow off, pig. Hi, Harry. Uh, would you lift your chin up and move it slightly to the right, please? You know, you got quite a pothole in front, Al. Uh, yeah, I know. It's just about to be filled. Why didn't you let me take care of it for you? Al looks like he's about to drop this guy, and this guy starts addressing the pothole in front of Al's house, and pops out a cell phone. 
1991. Now, it didn't even look like Zach Morris's cell phone. This one actually looked real. It was like a flip phone, right? Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, the first time I got a cell phone, and I resisted for a while, so uh, this will be funny. The first time I got one was around 2006. Nokia? I don't I don't remember what they were called. Uh, Razor, maybe? Okay. 91 seems awfully early to have a cell phone is was do they exist at this time or well yeah um i i don't remember them being that small at that time though so that surprised me too but right it should be like a zach morris phone right that's what i that's what i would have expected because that's what i <laughs> the girl i used to run around with back then had she whenever we would go anywhere her dad would be like take the car phone and it's like I mean, it was the case. You had to take the whole case. It was huge. Yeah, it's like I'm not yeah. taking the suitcase with me. <laughs> yeah, you had to take like it was. It had like a shoulder strap, and you oh had to God. take. It was ginormous. Like it really was huge. <laughs> and this was in the '90s, like in the around this time. So um, that's what that's what we had, and it was like. I mean, we still felt really badass because you know. Oh yeah. Yeah, you're walking around. With, <laughs> I mean. Now, it looks very goobery now, but if... Back then, it was like, wow. Remember when people, when cell phones were new, people used to use them to impress other people, especially girls? Like, like it was so new to, that you could actually eavesdrop on a guy's conversation. So, of course, he wants to show you his amazing conversation. So, he would sit there and say, no, you cost me 13000 man. You're going to pay back because this, that, you know. And they act like they're dealing with high price, high numbers and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> buy, sell, buy, sell. Yeah. I told you to sell. You cost me six grand. Now there's no way to impress people with your cell phone anymore. Well, no. I mean, well, back then it also cost like $17 a minute. Right, right, right. This is Harry Ashland. Look, there's a pothole in front of 9764 Jeopardy Lane. I want it fixed right away. Well, this is while we find out about the address while he's on the phone. Oh, the big address fiasco. So what, what is this all about? Well, in earlier episodes, the Bundy's address was 9476, while in later episodes, it was 9746. So we don't know why it, it was changed. I'm, I'm going to assume someone just made a mistake with the numbers yep. on the thing or whatever. Yep. Um, in this episode, when he calls to get the pothole fixed in front of the house, he refers to their address as 9764 Jeopardy Lane. And then it remains 9764 from then on. Then the Darcy house is 9766. That doesn't get men- – the address doesn't get mentioned until season 11. But Right. And that and – that, that was the whole thing about why did Steve in the opening credits when he comes out and he dodges the newspaper and it hits the door. It's He's in front of the Bundy's address. So – Everybody was wondering, well, why is he there? I thought that was the Bundy's address, and this is it was a whole thing. And uh, so, yeah, now that somebody said it out loud, it's just permanent, right? You know, you can't go back from there. Is anyone else kind of disappointed in the street name Jeopardy Lane? Um, I just feel like it could have been more creative. Yeah, I thought it. I thought it was weird. Um, I I just didn't think that there was anything special about it. So, yeah, you're right. Like almost like um, there was a lot of opportunity. But, uh, yeah, just blah, you know. 
Yep. Could have been an easy thing. Could have been, could could have been like Skid Row. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or exactly. I mean, not maybe not that on the nose, but you know, I mean, it could have been something funny anyway. Right. And I I mean, I guess he's in Jeopardy. I don't know, but <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you made but, it work. <laughs> yeah, but I just don't think it's all that funny. Well, th- there's fan theories too about like this house number thing. Like people think that Kelly knocked into the numbers. They both fell down, the two middle ones, and she put them on backwards or whatever. And that's why there was this one episode where Al tries to occupy Kelly. Goes, go to City Hall and, and ask for our address. You know, because like that was some kind of behind the scenes. I don't know. Like there's just a bunch of weird theories about what happened with the the number switch. But it is what it is. But it stays. I do like that theory, but that would uh, that would cause a mail mishap somewhere along the way, you would think. Right. Yeah, well, Al just slams the door on these people anyway, remember? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And we all know the mailman's not a fan of him in the first place. So. No, no, he's not. After 20 years of faithful service. <laughs> Consider it taken care of. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I've been calling, I've been writing letters. There's no way in the world the city's going to be... Hey, look, everybody, it's the city. They're working. Hey, they're fixing my pothole. They must have got one of my letters. I knew I could do it. Have a banana, Al. Well, let's not even get into the logistics of that. By the time they even hang up the phone and tell everybody what address they have to go to, apparently they were already there. So that's uh, fascinating. (laughs) How'd you do that? I'm an alderman. That's a priest. (laughs) No, actually, it's like a city councilman. (laughs) Well, then why did you want me to call you father? (laughs) never mind that now he's like a priest (laughs) now that that's alterman but the real question is then why did you want me to call you father (laughs) now okay you know it's a pretty normal thing to i not, not normal i don't personally do it but it's a thing for a girl to call a guy daddy for some reason, while they're uh, making love, but I think that's creepy. <laughs> I never want anyone to do that to me. I don't want to think about things like that while I'm uh, in the midst of that. I gotta be honest with you, I never thought I'd have this conversation, especially on the Married with Children podcast. <laughs> right. Hey, Kelly brought it up, not me. So, to say father in the midst of this is even weirder, right? Unless they're doing some sort of priest role play. But shouldn't she be a boy then? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. No, no. I, I am pretty sure that I heard somewhere that um, that's like the one of the number one searches on Pornhub. Father what? Daughter? That kind of stuff, which is uh, which is very creepy. <laughs> yeah, when I looked at like the top searches of porn, I did that one time, and I posted it on the Cuts of the Chase group page, like the top ten searches of porn. Can you believe that what I search is not even in there? Really? I'm not even part of society that way, in the creepy perv way. Yeah, like farm animals is kind of 
<laughs> yeah, not too many people are doing that one. <laughs> Guys, he's joking. I don't do that. Well, I don't think that hookers with a wooden leg is going to be a very popularly searched item either. But Well, that's, that's what I realize. I'm alone in this, Jamie. Wait a second. I recognize this guy. Hey, you're the guy everyone says is going to be the future mayor. <laughs> oh, gee, Al. Don't you think it might be against the law to go beating up somebody? Shut up, Peg. <laughs> Harry, <laughs> I got a street light on. I mean, I hate to bother you with it now, but uh, what the heck, we're almost family. Here, sit down. Peg, <laughs> our finest glass of Kool-Aid for the future mayor here. <laughs> <laughs> were you guys upset that he didn't say that our finest tang? class? Yeah, Tang. How do you not say Tang. Well, because they used all the tang in the sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, but still, you got to keep replaying. Do you know I've been drinking tang all weekend? Ugh. Well, I've been throwing vodka in it, so. Oh, okay. All right. That's cool. I used to like tang when I was a kid. I think I only liked it, though, because of astronauts, like the commercials. The one <laughs> thing, thang, the bang, one tang. thing I've never liked is Sunny Delight. Sunny D? I've had that. My my parents used to buy that when I was a kid. I don't like it. I want some of that purple stuff. I drank it, but I never could say I liked it. Like, I never asked for it. Al, can I see you for a second? Uh, I'll be right back. Um, play with our daughter. <laughs> Kelly, dance for the man. What? What? How do you guys feel that they're basically prostituting Kelly here? Like... I do love Kelly, uh, but, I mean, we all know Kelly. I don't think that's any surprise. I actually think that was hilarious, and I was waiting to see if she was going to do it. Like, <laughs> Yeah, she didn't dance, did she? Um, no, and I, when he said that, I, I fully expected her to just to start gyrating or something, and she didn't. But, yeah, I, I mean. Were you disappointed in Al? No. I mean, it was a funny joke. It doesn't, you know, I don't care. But this is real life. Come on, Jamie. What is this? <laughs> Even if it was real life, I still think it was funny. Wow. Well, I just think I wouldn't – I think I was just – like it's an extreme joke. I don't think he really expected her to dance. I think he was just showing that, oh, yeah, don't worry, buddy. We'll hook you up. Uh, yeah, Kelly, dance for the guy. It's kind of hard to tell with him to be honest because i could see it going either way if she had actually say for instance she had actually done it i could see him like freaking out and stopping her or i could see him walking the other way and not caring so it just it depends on the day of the week i guess yeah and looking over there like all right look how he's into he's uh he'd be like all right we're in like flynn peg look how into kelly he is you know like they use it to their what their point is you know, I cannot believe that you would put a pothole before your daughter. Peg, we can always have another daughter. But as we both know, this is the car I'm going to have for the rest of my life. I must protect it. Besides, this guy's going to be mayor. And if Kelly gets in good with him, who knows? Maybe someday I'll be the future mayor-in-law. Think about it. Anything I want. Huh, Peg? That free donuts, free parking, just like the police. How we can speed and... Make you turns and litter and park in the handicap zone. Now the U-turn queen can make U-turns legally or without any penalty. If uh, these guys, if Kelly marries into this family, they get all the perks. 
that's what they're really interested in. Power, political power. Dad, what do you think? Isn't he great? Ah. We're going to go out now, okay? Oh, not just like that, you're not. Just a second. Uh. <laughs> Kelly looked hotter, I suppose, in that, but how do you guys feel about that? I mean, it wasn't really out of character for Peg. I mean, you know, they do get protective in some senses with Kelly, but then when it comes to money or like you just said, with power and political influence, they'll do anything. Like, I don't I don't think it's I think it was uh, I think it was perfect. (laughs) Yeah, we cannot forget who these people are at the end of the day. I don't think a moral quandary has ever stopped them from achieving money power yeah. anything or yeah i mean if they could get ahead in any way they're gonna do it mm-hmm. yeah look what they did to to marcy and jefferson last week yeah right. they have no moral compass whatsoever i believe so the second act hits and al is now the godfather himself um the neighborhood women are at the door thanking peg for the favors of al bringing him bread. Peg opens the closet. It is stuffed with food and bread and this and that and anything else. I didn't pause it and stare at the contents inside. I probably should have, but uh, I would assume it's just, you know, gifts of food or whatever that do not need to go into a refrigerator. It's amazing. The city has fixed the hole, fixed the streetlight, picked up our garbage, planted the grass, trimmed the hedges, and your daddy's nose hairs. <laughs> and it's incredible, we have Kelly to thank. You know, all these years, we thought that you would be the success in the family. Boy, was I wrong. Well, gee, maybe I should throw on a pair of Speedos and parade around in front of Sandra Day O'Connor. <laughs> hey, it might mean a condo by the White House for the family. Would that make you guys proud? Oh, we're proud of you. Uh, uh, help me out here. Bud. Yeah, whatever. <sighs> but you gotta remember, Bud should be used to this because as soon as any potential is seen in Kelly, whether it be her being a weather girl, uh, having, you know, big contract, uh, this and that, Bud is just pushed aside and it's all about Kelly. And now it happened again. Mm-hmm. Here's my little girl. Mom, I'm going out with Harry. Uh, not dressed like that, you're not. Come here. Let's see. There. That's better. Bye, Mom. Peg now takes the cutting of the clothes one step further and cuts one of the straps on Kelly's tank top. <laughs> so her breast can almost be exposed. Now, how did you guys feel on how hot that was and or how wrong that was? <laughs> I like how it just said, so her breasts were exposed. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it's... I have this phone that I cannot turn off the, the sound. Really? Oh, yeah, we talked about this before. That's right. Yeah, it's my wife's old phone. It was in a drawer. My my iPhone 5 broke, so now I'm using a 6 because I don't care about phones. I know there's like an 11 now, but I don't I don't care. As long as I can watch Netflix and go on Facebook and send a text, I don't really need anything else. So 
I, I use phones from like five years ago. I do too. I use it until they they don't support them anymore, and then and then I'll get a new one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just recently, well, recently, like a year ago, upgraded from my four no five to an SE. I think I don't even know. I have no idea. I just don't care. Yeah, I don't <laughs> care about them. <laughs> Hey, speaking of cell phones, we don't care about them that much. As long as we can get on these things, I don't. I mean, I don't know what else we're supposed to be looking for here with a phone, but I, I don't. So, oh, uh, bud, keep getting those good grades. It'll really pay off in the real world. <laughs> oh, my little girl. And to think, because of her, we may one day be living in the mayor's mansion. Come on, he's not going to marry Kelly. There's more to being the mayor's wife than dancing around naked on tables. <laughs> no, bud, don't be jealous. You're both our children. It's just that Kelly's our favorite now, that's all. Hi, Peggy. We, we were wondering if we could speak with Al. Well, I don't know. He's been awfully busy. Oh, please. He's done so much for everyone else in the neighborhood. If he could just spare us a little time. Please, please, please. I'll speak to you. <laughs> Marcy, once again, buys into the mystique of Al. Now, how many times has she done this? She. What was the last time, Dan, with the unnatural? Oh, the uh, what, the underwear thing. Remember when he uh, was, do you think I'm sexy? Is that the one? Yep, she bought into that. So now this is the third time she's buying into this Godfather thing. But something happens afterwards that makes you wonder. But still, I love when you hear Al, I'll speak to you. The Godfather cue kicks in. Al comes downstairs. And this is where he's wearing the same exact thing as, as in the Agony of Defeat. Marcy and Jefferson kneel before him and Marcy kisses his hand while at the same time posing for a picture of her doing so. Wouldn't you think she would be like, listen, I know this loser. You, you, this whole neighborhood might suddenly think he's this and that, but we know he's not. Yeah, I honestly would have expected that response. I think it was um, completely out of character. Um, not as of late, because she's didn't been doing many things out of character. Yeah. But I, I thought that this was kind of the icing on the cake, where in terms of like, that whole that whole dynamic of them, um, you know, always going back and forth, and and she was, you know, she was his nemesis. Right. She was she was a formidable foe, and now lately, it's like every chance she gets, she's trying to befriend the Bundys. She's trying to kiss ass, you know, and it's it's so out of character, and she's it's kind of been out of character for a few episodes now. To where um, you start to see kind of where the show is going in terms of just not caring about things like that and just going off to into ridiculous territories. But um, at the same time, I thought, OK, like this is fine. I'll go with it because th- this is what we've seen for a while now out of Marcy. You know, if she's going to allow Al to uh, to do her wedding and and let a <laughs> let a lighthouse captain or whatever it was <laughs> uh, officiate it 
then, this isn't that out of character when you when you factor that in. Yeah, not anymore. And it's not anymore. Right, right. Her character takes a hard left turn, and she really becomes Al's nemesis in the later seasons. Like it's literally Al versus Marcy. Right. At this stage, at least until Jefferson got here, it makes sense to me because she was so incredibly lonely, and right, you know, she was going off the deep end, and and now that he's here, she's still doing it though. I know that's what seems weird to me because I now that they're together, you expect her to be uh, less tolerable, I guess, of the Bundys. Yeah, now she has a support system. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need anyone anymore. So uh, it's weird. But we do get a hint, and I'll, I'll get to that. We get a hint that it was disingenuous. So. <laughs> crushing the flowers we planted with care. He responds to our threats with the bird. (laughs) We we have nowhere else to turn, Al. Never come to me as a friend. When your wife baked a pie, I got no slice. Now you want a favor. We were wrong. We want your friendship. (laughs) It is well known when I get food, I can deny no favors. Yeah. (laughs) Now, this is such a loser story for me. So when Marcy pulls out the bucket of fried chicken as the offering, I literally stopped the episode about five minutes later got in my truck, and went off to Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, my God. Dude, you want to hear something crazy? Yeah. When I watched that episode, we made the decision, I'll be going there in about three hours. Really? Yep. I was like, oh, that, that sounds <laughs> so good. Did it look so good? No, you know what's you know what's even more uh, crazier about it is just, just before, well, behind the scenes thing, just before we started this uh, podcast, we, uh, Jamie, you were talking about a horror movie, uh, Overward, that just came out. Well, that's what we're going to see. And on the way, we're going to go hit up KFC. That's wow. Well, that's funny because last weekend we went to the movies and it was right before I watched this episode. And on the way home from the movies, we stopped and picked up KFC. What? Oh, wow. And then we watched this episode. Yeah. (laughs) And um, I was like, I was like, oh, that sounds so good. Oh, wait, I've got some. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but I am so susceptible to stuff like that. There, I used to watch this tattoo competition show, um, yep. Master or Ink Master. 
Yes, good show. And um, it was sponsored by Taco Bell. <laughs> and there would always be these Taco Bell commercials on before the show started, and, and it would be like, you know, hit the bell or I don't know. Anyway, whatever it was, every time I saw that commercial, like when, when I'm about to watch that show, I had to pause the show and run out to Taco Bell. <laughs> wow, it really like, works. I was like, man, that is that looks so good right now. I got to go get some. You know. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, I first thought of uh, when I first saw that bucket of chicken is uh, a little outro bucket on head. some podcast. Exactly. Buckethead. Yeah, the guy. That, <laughs> there's a guy for you. Those who don't know, um, his name is Buckethead, and he, what he does is he takes a bucket of fried chicken, he dumps the chicken out, and he puts the bucket on his head as a hat, and um, he wears a white <laughs> faceless mask in the front of his face and he he wails on the guitar and that's all he really does he never sings or anything he just his he just has the most like amazing guitar albums it's just like virtuoso stuff and we use that one probably his best song i guess we thought at the time i still think yeah soothsayer and uh that was our outro for our skeleton crew horror podcast for like five years and it always will be. We just did a special on Halloween, and we used it again. We always will, but yep, love it. I cannot listen to that song without associating it with the Skeleton Crew. Yeah, and it just gives me chills. And sometimes I just will just turn on that song. Just right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't KFC, though. It just said fried chicken on it, and there's a little picture of a chicken. <laughs> <laughs> I like Alex that he dumps out the chicken. Like, he, re- like he really like he really bought it and then dumped it out. <laughs> yeah. He couldn't have just gotten a clean bucket. <laughs> it's got to have the grease stains in it. Yeah, that's how it stays on his head. Yeah, well, it smells good, too, when you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> dumps out the chicken. Uh, Al comes down and he does the whole Godfather. He even like whips his head around almost like the God. Like what he's recreating, by the way, is you could type on YouTube uh, and we'll play it on this show, too. But if you want to watch it unfold, um, it's the scene. Just type in Godfather favor scene. And it's when this guy asks for a favor. And it's basically that's exactly what Al's doing. I'll give you anything you ask me. We've known each other many years, but this is the first time you ever came to me for counsel or for help. I can't remember the last time that you invited me to your house for a cup of coffee. Even though my wife is godmother to your only child. But let's be frank, you're 
You never wanted my friendship. And uh, you were afraid to be in my debt. I didn't want to get into trouble. I understand. You found paradise in America. You had a good trade, made a good living. Police protected you and there were courts of law. You didn't need a friend like me. But uh, now you come to me and you say, Don Corleone, give me justice. But you don't ask for respect. You don't offer friendship. You don't even think to call me Godfather. Instead, you come into my house on the day my daughter's to be married and you ask me to do murder for money. I ask you for justice. That is not justice. Your daughter is still alive. Living is suffer then. As she suffers. How much shall I pay you? Bonasera. Bonasera. What have I ever done to make you treat me so disrespectfully? If you'd come to me in friendship, then the scum that ruined your daughter would be suffering this very day. And if by chance an honest man like yourself should make enemies, then he would become my enemies. And then they would fear you. Be my friend. Godfather. Someday, and that day may never come, I'll call upon you to do a service for me. But uh, until that day... Accept this justice as a gift on my daughter's wedding day. Gracias. Gracias. What can I do for you? We seek no more than justice. An eye for an eye. Kill him. <laughs> this does not seem fair, but rest assured your paper will be on your porch in the morning. But remember, someday I may ask you for a favor. This day may never come, but... Uh, we both know it probably will. <laughs> when this day does come, you will respond in true friendship. Yes, yes Al. <laughs> but how amazing is it when Al breaks voice <laughs> to say, he goes, the day may come when I ask you for a favor. And he goes, he goes, that day may never come. But we both know it will. We both know it will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, how great is that? Because that's that's something the Godfather doesn't say. And since it's what Al is saying and it's just Al saying it, I love how he breaks out of that to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, but he still wants people to take him seriously as the Godfather and everything. <laughs> right. Yep. So when um when they part and, and Jefferson and Marcy leave they show that they're not nearly as genuine as they came off when the scene started gee that wasn't humiliating or anything well what's the difference that 12 year old punk is gonna get what he deserves <laughs> you know it's like jefferson rolls his eyes that he has to get down again and kiss his hand or whatever and then they they walk away you know making remarks but then jefferson says well you know what whatever as that paper boy is never gonna you know <laughs> whatever again so like they didn't seem like they truly bought into it but they played it off like they did when they first got there very genuinely to the audience 
it, it makes you really question Marcy's true feelings overall in all these crazy situations, right? Right. Like you wonder if she she really does still really hate Al, but she just kind of has to play into it, it, all his all his craziness because you know. Yeah, well, it challenges our theory of is is Marcy continuing to buy into this? So now that Jefferson is there, maybe she isn't. Right. She's using him to get a favor done, though. So. Exactly. Al, don't you think you're carrying this thing a little too far? Never ask me about my business, babe. <laughs> but this thing about the neighbors bringing over food and small potatoes, babe. Oh. What are you saying, Al? I'm saying pass the small potatoes. <laughs> Mrs. Rickards got me. <laughs> oh, my God. That was amazing. <laughs> I love these things. Besides, Bundy Favors won't be coming this cheap for very long, Peg. Because the city shoe contract is up for bid. The meter made shoes. And I, thanks to Kelly, got the inside track. Oh, Al. You didn't come up with an idea on your own, did you? I did. I bought 10,000 pair of meter-made shoes. I talked to Harry. The contract is practically mine. You're looking at the meter-made foot king of Chicago, baby. <laughs> what is this dance Al does when he announces that uh, he talked with Harry about the contract for meter-made shoes? That's a duck walk. The duck walk. Uh, Chuck Berry did it um which means michael j fox also did it <laughs> in uh yeah back to the future. back to the future yeah well that's awesome yeah it was that was funny now this is one thing i don't get though where does he get the money to lay out for stuff like that whenever he gets into one of these schemes <laughs> i mean and like particularly these meter made shoes you have to he had to buy them first and it's not like I mean, yeah, he's going to get the money back, but I don't think his shoe company would be like, yeah, just pay us whenever. <laughs> right, right, right. Like what? And then he's end up like the idea is that he ends up getting stuck with these shoes. So if he hadn't paid for them yet, he could just take them back. But what, I don't understand. Where does he get the money for this? And how much would that have cost? That's a lot of shoes. Yeah. And and just on that too, uh, going back to the scene where you know uh, Marcy and Jefferson came, and did they not give him some bread? The first people gave bread. The the first okay the, uh, okay yeah the first people gave him bread and they put it in the closet, the closet yeah. which right. was full of food. <laughs> uh, yet in the next episode that we'll revisit next week again. There's absolutely no food in the house, but has to actually resort to eating dog food. So it just shows you how, you know, <laughs> either either how dumb they are in terms of their food consumption and and how to ration right. or uh, or. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Great. Great observation. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. But and that's a, how many meter maids does the city of Chicago have. Yeah, I didn't get the whole thing, and and Al always overdoes it. Like even when they were, when they bought the blue suede shoes to take advantage of the Elvis fanatics that came over for the sweat stain, and I'm going to Sweatland. Him yeah. and Steve got 700 pairs of blue suede shoes, and they walked in with those. And it's like so that the 700 now he's up to 10,000 meter made shoes. He always overdoes it with this, right. and it always backfires. Like you would think he'd learn a damn thing, but nothing. No. Excuse me, Mom. But 10,000 meter-made shoes? K. 
Kelly dating a smart politician? You guys believing an idea of this man is going to pay off? I mean, am I the only one who sees the emperor has holes in his underwear? <laughs> so Bud comes down and he goes, does anybody see that the emperor ha- has holes in his underwear? What that is a reference to, obviously, is the emperor has no clothes. And that's used, that's a saying is used to express when something isn't true. Like something you can't believe in. Because if you don't know, that the story of the emperor has no clothes is that these two swindlers claim that they can, they have cloth that is so fine. It's the lightest, most magnificent thing in the world that anyone's ever seen. But it's invisible to anyone who is, uh, like, incompetent or stupid or unworthy. So they claim that they're going to make the these clothes for the emperor that are, are so amazing, but they're really high priced, but no one else in the world has them, and only the finest people. So the now the king, if you can't see the clothes on him, he could see you as unworthy. So they they make believe they're putting it on him. They're actually, you know, not putting anything on him. It's a, they're totally just ripping him off. He goes out into the village and everyone just stares at him and they're like, wow, that is the most beautiful thing ever because nobody wants to seem unworthy. And everyone's lying, and then all of a sudden a little boy walks up and he goes, but the emperor has no clothes. So that's the the whole thing. It's not real. That's one of my favorite stories. I love that story. I do just because the emperor won't admit it. Right. That he can't see them, because if he can't see them, then he doesn't deserve to be wearing them. Right. (laughs) Bud, I know you've seen a Bundy failure once or twice before, but Bud. This time, I'm telling you, it can't miss. Because, Bud, this time, it's not just me. It's me and Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's go shopping and spend some of that money that's going to come rolling in. Well, before we go, I guess what's bothering me is that no one's including me in the plans anymore. I mean, I'm not Fredo. (laughs) Kelly's Fredo I'm the smart one and Bud has no love from the Bundys he's feeling left out with good reason lately you guys made me feel like I'm not part of the family anymore so if you just tell me I'm overreacting just a little bit I'll tell you this I'm not letting you take me fishing And I think this broke the camel's back. It's time for no man to take a little break in the jiggly room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Muskrat, muskrat, candlelight. Doing the town and doing it right in the evening It's pretty pleasing Muskrat Susie, Muskrat Sam Do the jitterbug out in Muskrat land and they shimmy Sam is so skinny This is Mary Daniak, and you're listening to the Married with Children podcast. Justice for Bosco. 
Peg gets an orgasm over the thought of $20,000 to sell meter made shoes. Look at it, Peg. The Bundy Empire. <laughs> Tomorrow we make delivery and we pick up a check for $20,000. Oh, well. <laughs> What's wrong, Peg? Nothing. I think I just had my first real orgasm. <laughs> And she looked kind of hot saying that she had an orgasm just now, right? Am I the only one who was kind of like, oh. I couldn't believe she said that, to be honest with you. She pulled a Marcy. Here's your paper. And thank you for not costing me my job. What do I owe you? Oh, nothing, nothing. I, I paid for your paper out of my own pocket. <laughs> this is good. Uh... Forgetting something. The paper boy paid for Al's paper and gives him money. <laughs> yeah, he tipped him. <laughs> he tipped Al to take. He the tipped paper. him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now clearly the paper boy, you know, uh, not only am I uh, the president, I'm also a client. That's not <laughs> the truth for the paper boy because he doesn't read his own newspapers. If he did, he'd know that he doesn't have to <laughs> respect Al anymore. Right. <laughs> because on the headline of the newspaper, it says, Floozy brings down government. And it's a picture of Kelly on the lap of Harry. And he's trying to put his hand out to block the picture. Uh, and it says, Married Alderman caught with a teenage bimbo. And uh, if you guys didn't know, there's more pictures on page three. <laughs> if, if you guys want to check those out, too. <laughs> oh, I already photocopied them. <laughs> Get used to living like this, Peg. I'm telling you, I was born for this. This is my decade. This is the Bundy decade. Oh, Al. <laughs> quiet, Peg. I'm ruminating. I'm literally drunk with power. Al. Oh, life is good. But not for me. <laughs> Look, Peg. More pictures on page three. <laughs> it turns out he was married. Guess what, everybody? I am on the front page of the newspaper. <laughs> How great is that? There are no words. <laughs> well, you could have thrown me for a Fruit Loop when I heard he was married, but I guess the signs were there if you just know how to recognize him. The wedding ring, the diapers in the backseat of the station wagon, <laughs> the late-night calls from that crazy woman going, Stay away from my husband, you home-wrecking little tramp. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, there were signs, but you just can never be too sure. We don't want to jump to any conclusions. No, no. So, Kelly says, you know, case of rum, case of rum. It is what it is. Uh, that was going to be my thing. I totally forgot. Ah, oh, I got a brother named Mongo, too. I got a brother named Harry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I believe that Mongo has a brother named Saltwater. Salt water! Oh my god, this guy was ten times dumber than Mongo. Oh my god. Yeah, let's talk about salt water for about an hour. <laughs> Is his last name Taffy? <laughs> <laughs> oh well, case of rum, case of rum. That's what I always say. <laughs> but you'll be glad to know that this time I am truly in love. I want you to meet my new friend, Saltwater. <laughs> There's some interesting information about him and his personal life. 
Uh, Christina Applegate and Angel Broadhurst, who played Saltwater, dated briefly in real life. Source unconfirmed, of course, but that's what I hear. Now, I'm sure they messed his hair up to look even grosser, and the gross gray thing, and then the cut open shirt underneath it, and the way he acted, I'm sure he could come off like a normal person if he tried, uh, and if he wasn't acting, but oh my god, I, I find that hard to believe based on his character, but like I said, it's all just a goof. Um, he was also in the movie Poison Ivy from 1992. He was uh, the Death Rocker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Another movie with, with guys that are older that like young girls. Yeah, oh, there you go. He was only in those two things, this one episode and Poison Ivy. <laughs> believe it or not, yeah. Believe it or not. <laughs> uh, I believe it. <laughs> Show Daddy what you can do. Can I call you dad? Isn't he great? He has a a unique trick. He could eat the bugs out of his hair. Uh, That grossed me out, dude. Jamie, did that turn you on? Like a chimp. If he would eat the bugs out of my hair, that would turn me on. (laughs) Yeah, at least he'd be doing you a favor. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this guy. And don't worry, Daddy. This one is single. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> at, at least he was polite enough to close the door on the way out when they left the house, though. That that was uh, interesting to see him do that, because even, like, the main characters don't do that half the time. So maybe he is a good guy deep down, you know? Yep. Yeah. I spent everything we got on this stuff here. What am I going to do? Well, you could lead the failure pride parade atop a float of meter maid shoes. (laughs) Or is that getting into your business? White crosses, sunlight, nothing works on you anymore, does it? (laughs) Did I tell you? There are other forces at work here. Other dark, evil things. If I had my wish... It would be to get my hands on a foul, loathsome demon that took those pictures and caused the downfall of the Bundy family. (laughs) And as soon as Al says that, the audience reaction tells the tale right there. Right. Yeah, you know who it is. And once you hear them, and if you if it didn't click with your head soon as soon as it was said, once you hear them, it was like, oh, it's got to be Bud, right? And Bud walks in with a fan of money counting it, walks right past them. They don't even notice. Like, you would think that Bud would want to be noticed. He wants the credit to say, well, since you all abandoned me and I became a nothing, you don't even remember my name just because Kelly's dating this loser. Guess who got you back? But he doesn't even get credited for it in that way. He just... Well, they'd won his money. It's weird, though. It's like he wanted to be caught, because why have the money fanned out? If you're afraid of them wanting the money, then why why not just have it buried in your pocket? Well, because then the audience can't see it. Well, then we, what if we walked <laughs> up the stairs and it was, like, out of his back pocket, like, sticking well, out? Well, I mean, yeah, you could... <laughs> 
you could do that, I guess. But yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the motive was, or you know, what the agenda of walking in like that. I don't know. So uh, he's the one who took the pictures that ended up in the newspaper, and you got to wonder why Kelly didn't even mention that. Like, why she didn't say, "Did you see him on the front page?" Yeah, Bud got my best angle, or or whatever. Like, and then Al be like, "Bud, what are you talking about?" Because Kelly knows who's taking the pictures, but she didn't seem to even acknowledge it. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So we'll be right back to rate this. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. All right. How many bugs are we eating out of Saltwater's hair for this episode, Jamie? Oh, I think I will eat... Ugh. Um, man, this was tough. I really do love this episode because I love the Godfather. I love the references. I think they're spot on. I love the whole that they even brought in the whole Fredo angle. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's really good. I'm going to say I will eat uh, 4.5. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm going to assume that the 0.5 that's missing is you weren't crazy about the meter made uh, plot. Well, I mean, it just seems a little... I mean, it makes sense because he sells shoes and all that, but so I get where they were going with that. That It's not like it doesn't make any kind of sense, but yeah, I mean, it just doesn't seem... It didn't help the episode any. No, I don't No, I don't really feel like it did. No. All right, Dan, how about you? How many bugs are you eating out of Saltwater's hair for this episode out of five? Out of Saltwater's hair. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Um, you know, I did not love this episode. By no means did I hate it. I just thought it was um, it was mediocre, to be honest with you. I, I like the references, yeah. But um, Godfather is one of those things where it's just ingrained into pop culture. Uh, do I like the way they did it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And did it have some good jokes and some good bits in it? For sure. Um, I liked all, obviously, all the Kelly stuff or whatever. And Al, Al was good, but I I don't remember any jokes that really just had me dying or anything. Um, but it, it was it was still a good episode. So I would I would eat three bugs out of uh, out of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you're gross. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny too because I was thinking about it, and this is this is the first episode in a long time that I've rated that low because I really have uh, loved um, the yeah. majority of them this season. But uh, like I said, by no means is it bad. Uh, it's just nothing there that really uh, wowed me. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, we just came off a Hall of Famer, too. So, and, and can I say something else about this episode, too? The, 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 the final thing that I noticed was I was expecting more 
with Marcy and Jefferson's storyline and where it was going to go. And and in a lot of ways, this episode felt out of place in that sense because, you know, we'll get into it on the next episode, but it felt like that storyline should have picked up from from last week's episode. Do you know what I'm saying? So it just it just felt a little uh, misjointed in that sense, but it was still cool to see uh, Jefferson in there and and you know a little taste of things to come for the rest of the season with that. But yeah, so it was it was good though. It wasn't it wasn't bad by any stretch of the imagination. So yeah, three bugs. Yeah, production wise, this came out. This was recorded after the next week's episode. Look who's oh, barking really? now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. When you put it that way which is the reality of the situation, you're right. Jefferson and Marcy are talking about their honeymoon on the next episode while their wedding was a week from right now. So the fact that the next episode was filmed ahead of this one, it makes sense that this one shouldn't be here right now because why would they be having their honeymoon two weeks later you know what i mean like honestly me and my wife did do that we actually had our honeymoon a week after we should have but the reason we did it is because for my job i got off because i was married november 13th which is yesterday is my anniversary i've been married for three years now but we took our honeymoon a, a week after we should have because i get off of work most days of Thanksgiving week, so I didn't have to take too many days off to go on our cruise. But yeah, you're spot on about that, dude. But I do find it interesting that Jefferson is already, like, a bit character. Like, you would think that, well, now that he's here, let's really flesh him out for the first five episodes and then just put him into the normal what Steve and Marcy were. Uh Uh-huh. But instead, they they seem to rush him right into that minutiae. Yep. Well, I'm eating four bugs out of saltwater's hair out of five the whole intro was really good the phone calls the way everyone's treating each other kelly dating an older man it's very interesting they went with that uh and i loved how it was handled i love what was said they really pushed the envelope with uh play with our daughter kelly dance for the guy uh call me father uh they really you know went to the edginess again and then al just delivered an epic performance as the Godfather favor scene imitation and um, with the, the fact that they got the right music and the way he dressed and he just really did a really spectacular job like he really got into what he was doing and if you didn't know Al let's just say if somebody didn't know him uh, and they just saw his first scene him walking down the stairs like that and just watch. It came off so well that it just... I don't think anybody would think there's anything weird about it. Like, that's how good it was. Mm-hmm. And the way he broke character to say that line about the favor he would eventually ask for. Uh, just great. I love that she was caught. It was in the newspaper. She brought down the thing. The place I'm taking a point off is the 10,000 meter made shoes. Like, I just don't like it. I think that was dumb. Mm-hmm. It didn't help the episode any. It didn't... It wasn't interesting. I didn't care where it was going. It, it was just something I kind of like just had no in, investment in in any way as a viewer. So I get that he sells shoes, I guess, but nah, that didn't work for me. So it, it just came down. I wish they went with a better angle for how Al's going to take advantage of this, this possible marriage. Right. Agreed. 
Yeah, so just four out of five. Um, still a great episode. Everything besides that aspect was great. So tune in next week as we review Look Who's Barking. Buck the dog, fed up with the Bundy's neglect, decides to leave home and venture out into the world. <laughs>